Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you. I think I, I love hearing you sing. Uh, it encourages us, and I'm sure it encourages those out there. We have people who are isolated, and to you, you need to know that we see you, we care about you, we want to hear from you. And if there's something we can do for you, then let us know. We have restarted our prayer ministry. Uh, Misha is working with uh, teammates here. So even if you tried a prayer request and you don't think it was handled really well, we tried to handle them all, but we're humans. We're going to drop the ball somewhere. Give us another go. Uh, we think we got, we got it sorted now, but we do want to pray with you and for you. And we are so grateful for our team people who have been in prayer specifically for people every single day since this church began. So what do you do when Jesus does not help you through a faith, faith crisis, but instead causes one that wasn't necessary. We look at it and we say, um, this, this looks a little bit cruel. Uh, this looks unfeeling. Jesus didn't need to be this way. What do you do with it? That's John 11. And I love it that Mark Brackney, one of my dear friends, refers to John and goes back to light versus darkness. When we normally look at chapter 1, where light entered the world, but the darkness comprehended it not, we think of darkness as the enemies of God, um, satanic things or the like. But read John. It's a struggle between light and dark, but the darkness is in us. Our inability to see what is really going on. And the light trying to find its way in to show us what's going on. I normally take about an hour to do this story, so I'm going to talk a wee bit fast, but also I'm not going to be reading the scripture so much as pointing you to different places, all right? Because that'll save us a wee bit of time. John chapter 11, man named Lazarus was sick. Well, a good friend of mine, and I haven't had a chance to talk to my wife yet about this, and good friend of some of yours, because he came down to a church that many of us attended for years when he would get treated. But David Myers Jr. went home to Jesus today after a very long battle with, um, with cancer. And to all of his family, we know several of them tune in every week. You need to know that he was truly a giant in the faith and spoke of grace long before that was allowed in the tribe. And we will always love David and support you. But this man is also another great man that we, that is sick. And he's a friend. He's a good friend of Jesus, Mary and Martha. So they sent him a message. The sisters sent Jesus a message. Lord, the one you love is sick. It's a very female um, wording here, a message. Uh, they don't say, please come. We need you to fix this. They say, Lord, the one you love is sick and think they've said all the other. We know that, right? It's, it's rather like when my wife says, would you like ice cream? What she means is she would like ice cream. So I need to stop the car. And if I say, no, I don't really think I do, then I'm in trouble later. We all know how this works, right? Same as Mary walking up to Jesus at the wedding feast in Cana and going, they're out of wine. He's supposed to then know what she expects, but he's, he's the son of God, so he had a clue. Uh, the one you love is sick. And Jesus said to to the men around him, this will not end in death. But we've heard, we know this story, and kind of seems like it does. But then we cheat, and we'll go, but it didn't end. And 
we all know God can resurrect people from the dead, right? So why don't we just get over that part, the miracle part? The miracle part always sucks all of the information out of the story. So yes, praise Jesus, he can raise people from the dead. I never doubted that. Light from darkness, let there be light. Okay. But um, there's something else going on here. And by the way, if you're hearing a little fuzz, I'm hearing fuzz in this monitor. So I don't know. Uh, that could be off my mic. It could be off anything. But if you're hearing it at home, always just send us a line and let us know so he can help. Uh, Dave is amazing. Uh, Chris works with him. He's amazing. They, they will hunt it down. And if, if, if my voice sounds funny to you, it's because you've not learned how to speak English. So, this sickness will not end in death. Verse 5, when Jesus loved Martha and her sister in Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Because he loved them, he did not help them. Let that sink in for a bit. I think all the happy clappy type that use prayer like a cosmic vending machine, you put in several prayers, get out of healing, have not really dealt with the, the, the grit of these stories. He loved them, so he let him die. And he gave them no comfort or warning that he was not coming. We can, we can do some very faint shadows of metaphors here, such as there are times we have to let the little toddler learn how to actually stand up and toddle. That you don't always carry them. That they do have to learn to walk. That you don't do their algebra homework for them, even if you could, which we know you can't. Even, no matter, you, you have to let them struggle. My grandsons, uh, two of them are phenoms in sport. The third one's just having a great time. Um, and I enjoy that. But even the phenoms get beaten sometimes. And we don't say, I'm sorry. What we tell them is, you need to learn how to lose too. You need to, you need to know how to go down 6-0. You need to know that it's not always a win when you step out. In our lives, we need to know that as well. Sometimes good men like David Myers will not be with us anymore, while evil people like, no, I'm not going to name. Still, and everybody thinks of name right now, that they're thinking, that's what he's thinking. No, no. They still roam the planet. But Jesus loved them, so he didn't do anything. So, now he says, all right, let's go. And the apostles... We're going, wait, 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 we can't go back there. They wanted to kill you. This is a life and death, light and darkness story. It's all about death. He says, you're, they're trying to stone you, and yet you're going back. In other words, Jesus, what are you thinking? And it's not like the people around today say, Jesus, as if a curse word, they're calling, they're talking to it. And Jesus answered, and it's getting really loud in that monitor, by the way. Uh, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they'll see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Well, that cleared that up. Did that clear it up for anybody in the room? By the way, I know what he says is true. You need to work while you can see. You need to do while you can do. You need to be active when you can. Kids, sorry, hard lesson for you. If your book report is due in two weeks, you don't have two weeks. You have now. Because you don't know what the two weeks will bring. 
And if you leave it to the last, life can overwhelm you with sickness, travel, tragedy, all other kinds of things. So when we look around, we don't, we don't have forever. We have now. It's the same reason why I think of, all right, Patrick's here. But one of these days, Patrick's going to go eh, and fall over. Uh, hope, I'm hopeful that's the way it goes. But not here. I don't want to frighten anybody. Uh, I want to do it in my car like my grandfather did and go peacefully while others are screaming. <laughs> Faith in the sign. You know, there, there it is. Uh, and that's not the way he went. That's an old comic line I stole from somebody that I forgot. We have to, um, we have to realize sometimes Jesus isn't going to help us because he loves us too much. And there's something else we need to know. So, what's going on now? Jesus then goes, he's fallen asleep, let's go. And they're thinking literally, because they've not got Jesus yet. And they're going, oh, if he's sleeping, then it'll get better, because sleeping was the, um, the height of good medical treatment of the day. Uh, believe me, the doctors that treated you back then, sleeping would have been better than doing what they told you to do. I'm not going to give illustrations at the time. Jesus then had to tell him plainly in verse 14, he's dead. And then listen to what he says. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you will believe. Put your mind around this a bit. And I know everybody wants to run to the miracle. Stop it. We will get a miracle. We will shuffle off this mortal coil in the words of Shakespeare. We will die. And we will then be in the presence of Almighty God in a beautiful and a glorious miracle for which there are no words, but let's not rush there. There's that whole dying thing in the middle. How do you hold on during the dying thing? Back when I used to be a shrink and uh, people would come into the office, sometimes they would say, do you think, you know, I'm, I'm neurotic? Or do you think, you know, and I, my response would always, always yes, yes, but we all are. It's a matter of degree. If we can dial it back a bit to get you functional, we're good. But don't walk around thinking you're the only one struggling. Everybody you meet is having a very hard day. Everybody. And the same thing when, when, you know, I've had people say, well, they're sick. Are they dying? And I'll look at them and go, well, yeah, but we all are. But if you're saying, is it imminent? No, we're not expecting it. But we are born with the shadow of the cross over us. It's not a morbid thing. If it's limited, it's more valuable. That's why we put diamonds on rings, not bits of gravel. Limited is more valuable. Life is valuable because it is limited. But here we go. He's dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there because this is going to work out good for you. Mm. Thomas, the twin, says, well, let's go with him that we may die with him. And I always do this. Stop calling Thomas the doubting Thomas. That's wrong. The reason people call him that is because he didn't believe Jesus had been raised from the dead because he wasn't with the rest of the apostles when Jesus showed up. Understand that they didn't believe he was resurrected from the dead either until they met him. Mary, as Mark said, told them he was resurrected and they didn't believe her. So they were still hiding in a locked room. It was only Thomas that had the nerve of steel to leave the locked room and go get food for them because it was still dangerous in Jerusalem for a believer. The mobs were still in the streets. Thomas was brave enough to go. 
Thomas was also the first one to call Jesus Lord and God and worship him after the resurrection. And then Thomas right here goes, he's dying, we're dying, let's go. I love this guy. By the way, history is pretty solid on this. Some call it tradition, but there's enough of it that it's pretty solid. That Thomas made it all the way to southern India with the gospel. And then Goa region of India, there are still churches that trace their lineage to Thomas. Well, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And I love the phrase found there. Because please remember how much of Jesus knew he was God and what that meant and how much of God's ability to know all of these things are mysteries that we cannot understand and we need to quit playing like we can. When he got there, he found out Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, so a lot of the Jews had come out to mourn with them, which is a very nice thing for them to do. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Why would you think she'd stay at home? I think she's angry, hurt. Wouldn't you be? The year before we moved to Tennessee, I lost two of my best friends to cancer. It was actually, I guess, the year before and the year we arrived. A couple of years before that, I had lost one of my best friends who was a worship minister, young, healthy, just dropped dead. And I'm still not over that. And you look around and you go, well, if I was running the universe, I'd run it a whole lot different than Jesus does. And that's fair to say. And you might say, I'm not, are we supposed to say that? We all think it. You may as well say it because he knows he's God. So why? These stories are there for us. By the way, ladies, I'm sorry that you're always beaten up with Martha and Mary's story. Please remember, Jesus was fine with Martha doing what she was doing. It was when and Martha wanted Mary to do what Martha was doing. That Jesus corrected her. He still ate her food. He still liked what she did. He just didn't want her to tell Mary that she had to be Martha. There's a lesson there somehow. But it's not about beating you up because you like to make your place nice. So all those ladies days that did that, they were wrong. You are now relieved. You're welcome. Um, Mary stayed at home. Martha came out, and what does she say? Lord, verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus created this crisis. Lazarus didn't have to die. It was an easy trip. They knew how to get there. They would have gotten there plenty of time. But he didn't. But she tries to even ease it up there a bit. She goes, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, I know God will give you whatever you ask, but you didn't think the life of my brother was worth asking for. That's what she's saying. I often get this read in a preachy, Christian-y kind of way to where she's just making a great statement of faith in her, her... No, she isn't. She is saying, you can do anything, but you did nothing. I think that is appropriate to say in our prayers. I think that is appropriate to wrestle with God. If you're wrestling with God, at least you're in touch with him. You haven't wandered away in apathy. You haven't dusted him off your feet. You're still trying to figure it out. Jesus said, 
your brother will rise again. Just exactly what I told you a while ago, we do with every miracle story. We'll go, yeah, there's pain, but there's a miracle. That's what Jesus did to her for the reason of showing us and her that's not enough sometimes. Um, David's wife put up just a beautiful testimony to him on Facebook today. And it was one of faith and love and she's been a faithful, wonderful wife. I think they were married 50 years. Uh, and what a journey they've had. I think it's appropriate to do that. I do not think it's appropriate for us to leap into a, a, a moment of grief and say, but there's a miracle. I think they need to grieve. And as I say all the time, grief is a desert that must be crossed on foot. We do not rush it. We accept it. We move through it. We take the pain. As the seals say, the only easy day was yesterday. We push through. Mary says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And now Jesus is going to create a horrible situation. He looks at this woman who's just lost her dear brother, who knows Jesus could have stopped it. And what does he say? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? She's got a dead brother. And he's saying, if person who lives in me will never die, do you believe this? Because here's the thing. God is asking us to believe in possible things. Will you believe the glorious impossible? Will you be a person of faith that chooses that story? Even though that story at the moment will cause you pain because you know God could have written the story in a different way. And he did not. Because he loves us and that's frustrating. Kids, whenever you say, look at dinner and you go, eh, because they're putting vegetables lean proteins, fruit. It's not even a McDonald's where food-like substances are sold for cheap. Your parents are making you eat the horrible stuff because they love you and they want to keep your whiny, complaining person around for longer. That's it. <laughs> All right? I had to go through it too. People say, eat them. They're good food. You know something? I still don't like half of them. I really don't. You know why I eat them? Because I want to live long enough to be a problem. So you do the same. All right? There, uh, take a bite. Of, here's an experiment. We are people of science. Take a bite of chocolate. Oh, that's good. Now, go get a vitamin. Not a gummy. Don't cheat. A swallowing gum. And eat that. Horrible. Oh, it's horrible. Why? Because it has vitamins in it. There's your lesson. Life is hard. We do the hard thing. If you don't do the hard thing, life becomes more pain-filled than you could ever imagine. It is hard to get out of your chair and move when you hurt. But if you do not get out of your chair, there's a world of hurt coming your way. She's going, she is in hurt. And if she doesn't get her head wrapped around something, there's even going to be bigger hurt coming. And Jesus has to make her hurt first. She's got to get tough 
first. I'll never forget. My son came in from his training, the, the reserves. You get to come home sometimes. And he took off his, be- his, fe- his, his boots and his feet were bleeding. He'd walked out of his feet. That's the way they say it. Marched so much, silver dollar sized pieces of skin were dropping off his feet. It was very, very cold and frigid. And we'd put his feet by our, our fire and talking to him and, and dressing the wounds. And I looked at him and I said, son, I got to just bring up one thing. I said, I've never heard you say a word of complaint. Not one. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, somebody right now is training to kill me. I have to train harder than that person. My son's my hero. So's my daughter. She's my hero. And I look at this and I think, you got to get tougher, Patrick. My mother talks about, you know, all those people I know are dead. I'm going, yeah, they are. So far, you're winning, Mom. And she believes, and she meets each day with joy. She, she throws off, Martha, I, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God who's come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here, and he's asking for you. By the way, did you read the story? Is Jesus asking for Mary? No. Martha just needs backup. <laughs> She's going, this conversation just went into the ditch and rolled three times. And I'm going to need you because you're the one studying at the feet of the rabbi while I'm cooking food. So Mary comes out. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly. The mourners thought, oh, uh, she's going to mourn. So they're going to follow. Here comes the crowd. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. This isn't worship. This is collapsing. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She says the same thing Martha said. They've had discussions. This hurt them. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was also moved in spirit and troubled. By the way, when she came out to meet him, he hadn't moved from where Martha had met him. He hadn't gotten closer to the house or closer to the grave. Jesus was frozen in place by the same fear and grief that hits us. And then he asked, where have you laid him? Once again, Jesus was all man and all God, but how much of God's powers were in him at any given moment was up to the Holy Spirit. So he doesn't know where he is. They said, come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. I don't speak Greek. I don't read Greek. My friends who do, and I check with them. And the weeping here isn't that little tear that the guy that was dressed as a Native American did during the litter commercials. Do you remember that? He wasn't a Native American. He was Italian, but still, he did it well. They weren't little tears. These are racking sobs. These are heaves. The Jews said, see how he loved him. But others said, he's been doing miracles. Why didn't he fix this? They said, he would have heard him. Jesus once more deeply moved, the scripture says, again racked, comes to the tomb It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. By the way, anybody that can raise somebody from the dead can take away a stone on his own. Jesus will later. So why is he making them do this? Oh, there's a reason. We don't get it because we're not first century Jews. But Lord, said Martha, I'll tell you the reason in a bit. The sister of the dead man 
By this time, there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. Once again, she is equivocating. Is she telling the truth? Yes. But is she using the real reason they don't want to roll the stone away? No. If they roll that stone away, they are unclean, but also their rabbi is Jesus. Because they will have been in touch with a dead person. They would have been in the area of a, of a recently dead person. And because of that, read Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Uh, Jesus would have had to separate from the people, gone through all this cleansing process. She was trying to protect him and keep her rabbi clean. And he said, didn't I tell you before that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. When Jesus looked up, said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Then he said this. Jesus cried in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. All right, there's your miracle. And I love the way it's phrased here. Instead of, and he wasn't dead. It's more, the dead man came out. And everyone in this room who have a certain age just thinks of mummy movies. Because he would have moved like that with all the, the rags on him. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's a great miracle. And by the way, it's a good thing to remember. We need to take off our grave clothes too. We may have come and made alive new in Jesus Christ, but we are still carrying around some stuff we have and we better get rid of. Just like I tell people who haven't really done a lot of traveling, I say, before you leave, put everything you're taking on your bed and take half the clothes and twice the money. Every so often, especially when I have to go to the airport, I go through the backpack and empty everything out of it. I can look in and see that's just a piece of paper. It's coming out. Why? I don't want to be stopped by TSA because I forgot something in the bag. I need to be, I need to check. If you're thinking, what are you carrying? Howitzers or, no, it doesn't have to be something. I, I had a little tool on a keychain that was taken away. A little tool like that. And now we are all safe. But anyway... I also go through it because, as I'll tell Cammie, I don't need to be taking that. It might be papers for the church. It might be other things that I'm going, I don't need that. We need to get rid of some stuff. You may be made alive in Christ, but if you've got any grave clothes in you, you need to start getting those off. But that's not the lesson. The lesson is this. Don't let this water down your pain and that was poorly phrased. I'm going to try that again. May I? I? I don't get a bloopers reel. We were talking about that earlier. I don't want anybody here to try to water down somebody else's pain by rushing to the miracle. And telling them they will rise. Unless you know them very well and you know that that's what they need to hear. Instead, walk where they are. Enter their story and be where they are in the story. Until they are ready to walk to the other side. Job's counselors were great until they tried to rush the process. No, let them go. I believe all of us will one day see the glorious impossible. I believe that all of us will one day rise and see things which cannot happen. Everything about the universe is that as well. You know, once there was nothing, then it blew up and now we have flowers. I mean, come on. You, we have to believe in possible one way or the other. Choose your story. 
But realize whatever story you choose, there is attendant pain that comes with it. Any, any um, TV show you've ever seen had zero interest if there was not trial and pain. Even, maybe especially, comedy. As Mel Brooks said, tragedy is when I cut my finger. Comedy is when you fall into an open sewer and die. He was right. We all laughed when Dick Van Dyke hit the ottoman every week. Comedy even brings pain. In fact, the word comedy used to mean a struggle. And so the book, The Divine Comedy. I remember picking that up when I was nine years old in my dad's office and going, oh, is this funny? And he said, no. <laughs> I read it. <laughs> it wasn't. And by the way, what kind of nine-year-old reads? I, I agree. I agree. I'm an aberration which should be wiped from the earth, which is in process. It is in process. All I want to do is say this. Jesus could have stopped many of my faith, pro my faith struggles like that. He could have ended my faith crises, but he did not because wrestling is part of the program. Faith and pain is part of the process. It is there for a reason as Dr. Paul Brand, the amazing top hand surgeon of all times, and hands are brutally complicated, who spent his life working with lepers. Uh, many of you know that he co-wrote some books with Phil, um, Philip Yancey. But Paul Brand called pain the gift nobody wants. Wrote a book about it saying you, you'd better have it. Do you know that everybody born without the ability to feel pain, every one of them died before they left their teen years because they didn't feel the loss of blood from a cut foot. They didn't feel the infection that was killing them. They didn't feel pain is a gift. We don't want it. But for whatever's going to happen next, we're going to need to have shown we can go through it to the other side. Choose your story. And as I say, all I'm doing is reading a book and plagiarizing it. But I say too, as for me and my house, we will serve Jehovah. We choose this story. And we say if the pain is there, we still believe there will be a miracle. One day. That's why we are baptized into Christ. And if you've not been baptized... Be baptized into Christ. Be immersed. Go all in. If you're thinking, well, I'm isolated, we will find a way to get somebody to you. My email is patrick at rsafeharbor.com. You just need to know choosing your story is a time-limited offer. It's time to choose. Misha, would you please bring the team back up? And I'm going to, to uh, switch microphones as I move around here. <clears throat> 